Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Dr. Regis Martin. He is a professor of theology and faculty associate with the Veritas Center for Ethics in Public Life at the Franciscan University of Steubenville. He earned his licentiate and doctorate in sacred theology from the Pontifical University of St. Thomas Aquinas in Rome. He's also an author of numerous books, including Still Point, Lost, Longing, and Search for God, and Beggars and Banquet. He's also, his most recent book is Looking for Lazarus, a preview of the resurrection. And Dr. Martin, thanks for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm happy to, to be with you. So I saw your article uh, in Crisis Magazine called Return of the Antichrist. Who is the Antichrist and how will we recognize him when he comes? And, you know, just in kind of the day and time that we live in and all the challenges, you know, this this is is a very timely topic. Um, But before we get into it, what does Scripture tell us about the Antichrist? I know he's it's not in there a lot, but it is in there in 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 several different places. Well, uh, as I mentioned in the piece, uh, Scripture uh, is entirely silent about uh, what he looks like, but right. uh, unmistakably, uh, the Scriptures reveal that he's dishonest, he's a liar, like his father in hell, and he has been a liar from the beginning. And uh, principally, uh, what he's lying about is uh, the identity of, of Christ whose divinity he denies. He flat out refuses to believe that, that God became man, that assumed that he assumed the flesh of every man. That is a bridge too far uh, for the Antichrist. And so he denies the event of uh, the incarnation, which is pretty serious stuff. Uh, well, it's very serious stuff, right? I mean, s- people's salvation is at stake if we end up buying the lies that are spread. And Right. We see in what first and second John, we hear about, you know, many antichrists, but really kind of one prominent antichrist that is to come. Is that and, that, and everybody keeps looking for that person. I think that's kind of the point of your article, right? You mentioned, right. you know, yeah. is he going to be driving a Tesla? Is he going to look like Al Gore? I mean, who knows, right? We right. just don't know. Right, right, yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, the telling uh, uh, connection is that he will deny uh, the fact of the incarnation. That's the Antichrist who simply will not accept uh, the fact that God became man. There's a, a, a wonderful English poet, uh, John Betjeman, who says uh, uh, that God became man in Palestine and lives today in bread and wine. Uh, as a steadfast Anglican, he's got it wrong. He doesn't look he doesn't enter the bread and wine. He simply becomes uh, the food and the drink. There's a transubstantiation. But he certainly uh, uh, enters into the flesh. And, and the scandal of incarnation is what the Antichrist will not uh, uh, countenance. He, he takes well, flight from that. Right. And, and really, you know, when you read a lot of people, you know, articles and different things, right, it's it's going to be a popular figure, you know, one who wants to be worshipped himself, will probably persecute Christians, all based on the lie, denying, as you mentioned, right, the incarnation of of who Jesus Christ is and that he is God. And it really become, you know, a popular, think a popular figure because it's going to deceive many, right? 
That's that's exactly right. Otherwise, he can't pull it off. I mean, if he shows up with a horn, you know, with a set of horns and a tail that's wagging furiously and he's breathing fire, then people are not likely to sign on. But he is very appealing, very attractive. Uh, he looks like everybody else. He he's very successful, uh, stylish, uh, and uh, he makes a connection. Uh, in that wonderful uh, dystopian novel by uh, Robert Hugh Benson, I think it came out at the turn of the last century, called Lord of the World. Uh, the guy that shows up as the Antichrist is an incredibly charming figure, persuasive, uh, beguiling, uh, and people not only welcome him, but in due course, they fall down and they worship him. Uh, and so he pretty much wins the world. He's the Lord of the world. And, and I think uh, we mustn't, uh, uh, we, we mustn't uh, downplay the power of, uh, of, of the Antichrist. Uh, the fact that Jesus is tempted by the devil in, in Scripture and offered the whole world in exchange for adoring him uh, reminds us that, well, maybe the world is something that the devil really does dispose of. He's got command of, it would appear, the entire cosmos. So the devil seems to have all the best lines. But in the end, he's just a liar, uh, and uh, lies have nothing to commend. Uh, and what we need to do is unmask uh, the lies uh, so that we can expose them for what they are. Christ does come in the flesh, and without that flesh, uh, uh, our our prospects are, are, are pretty bleak. There's no hope. If you just really sit back and look at today, right? Uh, how, you know, a large percentage of Catholics deny, you know, right, the true presence in the Eucharist. Uh, people's faith is weak. We've just gone through, you know, years of COVID. There's fewer people in the church. It just feels like the time or, or the time is near because so many people's faith is weak that they will be open to this figure coming right. into the world and wanting to worship somebody because they've already denied Christ in their own hearts, right? Right, right. That creates a void, I think, and into that rush all kinds of uh, demonic spirits. I, I think among the cleverest of, of uh, ruses, devices, which uh, the devil deploys is to persuade people that he doesn't exist. Uh, and if he can get people uh, not to, to think at all about him, uh, he's got an edge, a leg up. And uh, I mean, the two errors that people commit about the devil is I is one never to think at all about him because he's unreal or to obsess about him as if he were somehow equal to God in his power and attraction. And that's not true. The devil is a creature like us, but thoroughly bent upon the destruction of everything good, including ourselves. And you talk about really in this article that I think is really a great reminder to people that we need to really discern spirits, right? You say, do not believe yes. in just the spirit, right? Countless false prophets have come. And, and so really discerning spirits, because there are good and bad spirits, is, is critical in mm. our growth and our love for Christ and not falling for those lies. Right. No, I, I agree. If I if I could venture something uh, provocative, if, if there had only been more testing of the spirits at, at the recent synod on synodality, I think a lot of that nonsense might might have been suppressed. It might have been stillborn. But now it's been trumpeted as somehow revelation. We have to well, test think, the spirits because some of them are evil. And I think to your point, right, I mean, this you, you talk about this void in the world, but 
there really is, you know, this this challenge within and outside of the church so that, yes. I mean, people feel like they're being attacked in all different ways, the faith. And it really does remind us that we don't really have anything to fear. But if we're not rooted in Christ, we are going to be easily misled if we are not growing in our relationship with Christ even within the church, right? We have to measure everything against scripture, right? Against the magisterium. Yeah, that's true. Not just because yeah. of what people are saying, right? Right. I mean, you can't stand still. You're always moving in one or another direction towards the light or away from the light up towards uh, the darkness, God or the devil. You have to make up your mind uh, and, and choose. I, I think it was Leon Bois who said that if you're not trying to be heroic, then you might as well be a pig. Uh, and the devil and pigs, I think, have a fair amount in common. <laughs> pigs are much better because uh, they have flesh and blood. Uh, they're not fallen spirits. They're not responsible for whatever mischief they get into. But the devil is, is you know, superior intelligence. He's a person, uh, and he's endowed with, with very powerful uh, faculties. Uh, so to think that you can fight him one-on-one -on -one without Michael the Archangel or Christ and the saints— uh, is really a, a delusion that you need to get over. And that's where even if you don't deny the devil, but you really don't think he has the power he has, right? We're only kidding ourselves. And, you know, when you talk about this discerning of spirits, you know, it kind of reminds me of St. Teresa of Avila, right? Even when she thought it was God talking to her, she would she would vet what was being told because she didn't want to buy a lie. Right, that, that's exactly right. She was a realist. She was pretty sober about things, uh, and we need to recover a sense of that realism. Uh, I mean, the, the stakes are very high, uh, and uh, the circumstances, the choices we have are simple and stark, uh, and, and you, you've, you've got to choose. Uh, you can't sort of maneuver your way in between. It's God or, or the devil, light or the darkness. And the devil glamorizes the darkness to make it seem somehow more seductive, but that's part of the lie the package of, of deception that we have to break apart, smash to bits. I mean, well, so I many people, I, I think, you know, they, they, they succumb mm -hmm. to the glamour of evil. They really do find it appealing, intoxicating. And they're drunk on that. And, and by the time they, they awaken into some kind of sobriety, it may be too late. They're on their way to hell. It's exactly right. And I think the other thing, right, the devil doesn't have any new tricks, right? Christ has already revealed the challenges. Right, the church yeah. has warned us. So it's not like we haven't been warned, but if we aren't on guard, if we aren't growing in our faith, then we do become right. susceptible to that. And you mentioned the synod, right? Everybody's saying, well, the Spirit is guiding this. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit yeah. is guiding this. Well, right. the Holy Spirit doesn't send mixed messages, does he? No, no. And, and yeah, and he doesn't, I mean, he, for, for the Holy Spirit, the, the, uh, the law of non-contradiction uh, is, is uppermost. You can't say a truth one day and then a falsehood the next and, and think that you can somehow split the difference. It's not possible. Exactly. And so we need to, I think when we know Christ, when we know truth, right, if it quacks like a duck, looks like a duck. Right. Right. Like it a probably duck. is it's a duck. duck. Right. It probably is right. a duck, and yes. that and that goes for a lot of the false teaching and the and the challenges sure. that we're seeing, especially if you look in Germany and different places. So it yeah, is tempting. I know it's it is tempting to say, well, who is the who is the antichrist? The end must be near. 
But our job isn't to worry about that, is it? Our job is to be aware of it, but it's to grow in our faith and to be a light in this dark world because the devil is on a short leash, right? I mean, he can't do whatever he wants. He can only do what Christ allows him to do. Right, right. I mean, the, the future, they say, belongs to those who show up, but you only arrive at the future if you're really anchored to the present moment. And the present moment is the still point where Christ appears at the intersection of yesterday and tomorrow. That's today, the sacrament of the present, the passing moment. That, that's where we, we need, I, I think, to rest and, and find a sense of repose and confidence and courage to, to stand with Christ at the present moment, because that's where he shows up. Uh, you know, you're not going to find him in the future because it doesn't exist. And in the past, it's already gone, but he does appear right now. There's a real presence. Uh, and I, I think if you miss that boat, uh, you're very likely to sink. It, it, it is sort of ironic that people don't believe in the real presence the Eucharistic presence, but they are utterly obsessed with the presence of of the dark one, the evil one, the dark force, and they allow that obsession to be, I I think, manipulated, exploited uh, by the dark force uh, into securing their surrender to Satan, and then once he's got you, it's kind of tough to wrench yourself uh, away. You've you've, You've grown accustomed to the habits of evil. And he's and and he's he's delighted. He doesn't love people, but he loves getting people because that's the way of getting even with God, punishing God. Sort of. I mean, it's it's envy incarnate. Although with the devil, it doesn't become incarnate, but it is the expression of envy. He really does hate people's happiness who find it with with Jesus. He resents that not because he wants to be happy with Jesus, but he doesn't want anyone else to have that uh, that uh, consolation. So he'll bend every effort to divert you from from your path. And you know, the end of that journey is of course bliss, the beatific vision and who he will do all that he can to thwart you uh, so that you can't make it. Well, and he's good at sprinkling truth in amongst his lies, right? Because we we kind of want to hear some of the things that he's saying, but it, it becomes if we are self-focused and it's about us and it's not about Christ, right? Yeah. We become more susceptible to those lies, even if they are sprinkled with little truths, because we want to believe them for ourselves, don't we? Right. No, that that is entirely true. And I think a, a good example. I mean, this comes this comes very close to the bone. Uh, this tendency we see now, uh, even uh, with the Holy Father and a number of bishops and cardinals, to extend a blessing uh, to those in a same-sex relationship. And, and that, of course, is impossible. The Church can't bless sin. And it wasn't so long ago that Pope Francis sort of robustly endorsed that notion that the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith uh, had affirmed, that you can't do this. But now there's been a, a softening, as if if out of compassion for these people, we, we really ought to bestow a blessing. And that's a lie. I mean, that, that feeds into uh, the deception that, that the devil wants to somehow wrap the entire world in so that he can more easily devour it. We have to resist that. Well, and we have this, right, environment of false compassion, and we see it whether it's, yeah. uh, you know, the sexual dysfunction that goes on in the world, people's struggling with their identity, whether it's marriage. 
and that really is uh, kind of the the carrot that leads people to it, the it evil does, one. Right. Yeah, yeah. This this somehow this disjunction we've drawn between sex and gender. You know, you're born a certain sex, and then suddenly a gender gets assigned. And if you don't think it's the right assignment, then you, you seek out therapy so that you can change the gender assignment, uh, which is nonsense. I mean, you're a man or you're a woman. You're, there's no admixture of the two. And that's how the order of creation was designed. There's a structure to it and it's natural, it's good. And to want to change that is unnatural. And, and it really does uh, evince a kind of pathology, a sickness of the soul that we should try to counsel people out of instead of just acquiescing and saying, oh sure, let's pass more laws so that men who think they're women can more easily transition. That That's dangerous nonsense. and. When, when you find people at the highest levels proposing things like that, it really is concerning. We know that Jesus is the truth, so when we deny truth, we're denying Christ, and it really opens up this world of relativism that we live in right now, which is, is really the devil's playground, right? If there is no truth, then anything goes, and then he, he goes, right. mentioned reigning in this world. I mean, he's probably he's probably sitting back thinking, man, I didn't even come up with half this stuff. These people are just taking it and running. Right. right. Yeah, we're working for the devil, and we're not even getting paid. Yeah, I mean, that's, that doesn't seem quite fair. You know, there's a, a wonderful uh, church father of Ignatius of Antioch uh, who said that there were three secrets crying out to be told, but they were wrought in the silence of heaven, and they escaped the notice of the devil, the prince of this world. And those three secrets are the virginity of Mary, the birth of her son, the Christ child, and his death upon the cross. The devil had not anticipated any of that because he's so proud. When he imagines what God might do to sort of uh, disarm him, it never crossed his mind that he might choose the path of humility by becoming you know, a zygote, an embryo, a fetus, that he would enter into the womb of a Jewish woman. I mean, that for the, for the, for, for the devil is unthinkable, abhorrent, because he's pure spirit. He can't imagine God mixing himself up with, with matter and flesh. That, that's just uh, in, insupportable. And yet that was precisely the strategy that, that God deployed in sending his son in the flesh. And we do see in Scripture, which is always interesting, too, that, you know, who recognizes Jesus but the evil spirits, right? He's constantly telling them to be quiet when it's the faithful that that are struggling recognizing Jesus. But the evil spirits know who who Christ was, know who Christ is. And so— yeah. If they know, why don't we? It's, and it's because we don't spend right. the time. Right? It's not that important to right. us, is it? Yeah. Well, the, the devils, they don't have faith. So what they know is not a virtue called faith, right. but they do know. I mean, they're smart enough to know that this is really God disguised as a human being, but they hate him. It, it doesn't awaken faith or love or hope, but it, it I think, increases their loathing for God and, and their contempt uh, for creatures who somehow uh, fall in with that, that, uh, that uh, invitation to, to join uh, 
to join uh, the uh, the church, uh, which is the high road to heaven. They resent the fact that anybody might be persuaded, uh, you know, to to get baptized. But they don't need to be baptized. They don't need faith. They already know that this is this is Christ, and they hate what they know. I mean, it must be a terrible torment to know that, you know, this is God and, and this is the one that you should be worshiping, but instead you're organizing every effort to, to rebel against him and to subvert the order of grace that he instituted. I mean, it, it's a losing proposition. He can't win, and he knows that, but it doesn't seem to, uh, it doesn't seem to uh, at all uh, prevent him from trying harder and harder uh, to succeed. It's sort of like squaring the circle. It can't be done. You know, I think it's the, it's always been a very sobering thought of mine that, you know, the, these evil spirits were in the presence of God and denied him. So whenever we think we, you know, we are where we are in our faith and, and that, you know, I will not be shaken, we should never be that comfortable because if right. spirits in the presence of God can deny him, anyone can. And so we should always be right. yeah. uh, circumspect and looking at ourselves and how I can grow in my faith so that I don't fall when, the, when, when it hits the fan, what decision am I going to make? Right, right. I mean, somebody as close to Jesus as Judas Iscariot betrays him. I mean, how can you get any closer to Christ than than Judas did in in kissing him? And that kiss it was was dipped in irony because it meant it meant a betrayal. He was being treacherous at that very moment. Uh, and you're right. There, but for the grace of God, go I. Any one of us uh, could fall into that same pit. So we ought to be constantly uh, vigilant, uh, lest we too uh, fall. But that's why the virtue of final perseverance is so important. You don't take this stuff lightly, because at the eleventh hour, I think he redoubles his efforts to try and ensnare us. And he's done good work, right? I mean, we can't deny that the evil one has been, unfortunately, way more successful. Now, we've allowed that. And and it really is something that we shouldn't fear, right? We don't need to wake up every morning in fear, but an awareness is healthy. And it really does remind us, grow in our own faith, stay close to Christ, and, and you'll be fine. But it's this buying into the lies of the world that you mentioned many in the hierarchy and the Vatican and, and right, that are buying sure. into these lies instead of leading people to Christ, right? They're assimilating themselves to the world. Right. Yeah. I think it, it's helpful and uh, comforting to know that at the end of the day, in this Titanic struggle, we're not looking at two equally formidable uh, uh, adversaries. The devil is not equal to God. Uh, he may be a spirit like Michael the Archangel, but in relation to God, he is nothing. I am who am, and everything else is that which is not. I, I love how Jesus puts it to Catherine of Siena. Catherine, he says, I am he who is, and you are she who is not. And the devil only exists, only subsists on sufferance. God permits him to be. God made him to be. And if God were to stop thinking about a single creature, that creature would fall into nothingness. So it's not a fair fight. God has all of, God has the ace in the hole all the time. So that, I think, should give us a lot of confidence when we go out to face the adversary. 
And if Bryce is the ace in the hole, then we have the ace in the hole. All we have to do is accept yeah. him, right? And and grow yeah. in love and, and spend time in prayer and adoration and, and grow in that relationship. Then we don't have time for the lies of the evil one because we are so focused on doing the Lord's will. Yet in the world in which we live, right, it's all about me, myself, and I. And how does this make right. me feel? Yeah. I want this. There is no we all want to be served and not to serve as Christ led an example right. for us, right? Yeah, no, you're right. In in that in that novel, um, Lord of uh, of the World, the one heroic priest who later becomes pope is asked, "Well, what measures can we take against the Lord of the World, the devil?" And he says, "The Mass, prayer, the Rosary. On their power alone, Christians must throw." all their weight. Nothing else can avail. He must do all, for we can do nothing. So we surrender everything to him uh, and say, Jesus, uh, I, I, you know, I, I uh, yield myself to you, and uh, I go with confidence into this struggle, knowing that uh, you have the upper hand. It is you who will conquer the universe, not me. Well, you know, it's interesting. You you mentioned uh, the book, and I actually bought the book. I haven't had a chance. It just came the other day because I hadn't heard oh, of it. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, it's really I plan quite on thrilling. reading it because, yeah, I plan to read it because you know your article really does describe, uh, you know, an environment in which we find ourselves living similarly, right? This Lord of the we world, do, yeah. and, and and it yeah. really can help us to see things from a different perspective and that that other perspective can be quite healthy can it 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 really can i mean you see things from you see things uh, from the perspective of the last things you know through a kind of eschatological prism i mean we're, we're not just dealing with ordinary uh, enemies but powers and principalities and the last things we face death judgment heaven and hell uh, and uh, that that's pretty sobering. But I think if we live under the aspect of eternity, it, it is wonderfully clarifying so that you it's harder to subsist on sentimentality and and falsehood. You have to see things straight on. Well, and we're about finished. I know this time always goes so fast. Uh, Dr. Martin, how can people follow your articles and what you're doing? Uh, well, I, I write with some frequency uh, for a crisis, so that might be a good place uh, uh, to look. And then I have a couple of, I have maybe a half dozen or more books out there. And I'm, I, I've just submitted a manuscript on Ignatius of Antioch, who's one of my favorite church fathers. And uh, I think uh, Sophia Press will be bringing that out in the spring. So they might be uh, on the lookout for that. If you like the content of these shows that we produce on a weekly basis, please prayerfully consider supporting us. Go to ccdenver.org, click on the donate button, and then click on Respect Life Denver to support this programming. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.